Hey guys, I'd like to introduce you to a new podcast that I know you're going to love. Do you like travel? Do you like picturesque locations and getting away from it all? Well, this new podcast has all that and murder. It's called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that took place on vacation. Hosted by a true crime fanatic, her comedy writer husband and his TV producing partner, Slaycation brings a unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, and WTF stories of vacations gone horribly wrong. From the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, two recently engaged lovebirds whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended underwater. Each episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that'll intrigue you. It's the discussion between a longtime married couple and business partners who happen to be Emmy-nominated TV producers. Each episode of Slaycation also includes humor, takeaway and travel tips that will keep your next vacation from being your last. If you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, do you have trouble sleeping? Then maybe you should check out The Sleepy Podcast. It's a show where I read old books in the public domain to help you get to sleep. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of classic stories like A Tale of Two Cities, Pride and Prejudice, Winnie the Pooh, stories that are great for adults and kids alike. For years now, Sleepy has helped millions of people catch some much needed Z's, start their next day off fresh, and discover old books that they didn't know they loved. So, whether you have a tough time snoozing or you just like a good bedtime story, fluff up the cool side of your pillow and tune into Sleepy. Unless you're driving, then please don't listen to Sleepy. Find Sleepy on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes each week. Sweet dreams. Five Couples That Disappeared Without a Trace It's alarming enough for one person to go missing, but to have two disappear at the same time conjures more mystery. The five cases on this list features people who mysteriously vanished together. These are five couples that disappeared without a trace. Number five, Edward and Stefania Andrews. Married in the 1970s, Chicago couple, Edward Andrews and Stefania, had everything going for them. Edward worked as a manager and bookkeeper at a Chicago manufacturer, while Stefania was a credit investigator. The couple were entering early retirement and were planning to retire within the year, but all their future plans vanished on the evening of May 15, 1970. The couple attended a party at the Sheridan Chicago Hotel on North Michigan Avenue. At about 9.30 p.m., the valet and a hotel manager saw Edward heading to his vehicle unsteadily. When they exited the garage, Edward sideswiped a door, at which time the valet also saw Stefania in the passenger seat crying. 
The car continued out of the hotel parking lot and illegally drove southbound on a northbound lane heading to Michigan Avenue Bridge and Wacker Drive. This was the last time the couple were seen along with their 1969 Oldsmobile. The following day, they were scheduled to attend a dinner party but failed to show up. Both of them also didn't report for work the next day. A huge search followed after they were reported missing. In fact, their disappearance made the newspaper headlines. Owing to Edward's seemingly inebriated state, police believe he may have driven the vehicle into the Chicago River while attempting a U-turn on the lower level of the Michigan Avenue Bridge. It's possible they may have gone into the river through an unprotected guardrail. Police combed the river area twice during the spring and summer of 1970 using sonar, divers, and dragging equipment, but this yielded no results. Prior to attending the party that night, Edwards' co-workers said he felt ill during lunch. Other partygoers also said he looked ill and left the party with his wife to grab a meal. There were also speculations of a robbery, but the police discounted this since the couple carried little cash or valuables with them. There was also no activity in their bank accounts in the months following their disappearance. Friends and neighbors also discounted that the couple would leave without saying anything. Over the years, several leads were investigated. This included searches in adjacent areas of Lake Michigan, Green Oaks, Illinois, and even one close to the Navy Pier. Several tipsters have also come forward saying the couple was murdered and their vehicle submerged in a body of water. But there seems to be no concrete evidence proving this theory. The couple was legally declared dead in 1978, and today their case remains unsolved. Number 4. Richard Call and Cassandra Haley Considered one of the worst killings in Virginia's history, the Colonial Parkway killings haunt many people to this day. The Colonial Parkway killer targeted couples and murdered them mercilessly. Most were killed brutally and their remains found, except for one couple, Richard Keith Call and Cassandra Haley. It was April 9, 1988, when Keith, who was 20 years old, headed out and picked up Cassandra, who was 18. It was the couple's first date and they decided to attend a party in Newport News. At 1.30 a.m., they left the party since Cassandra needed to be home by 2. The following day, Keith's father, Richard, was on his way to work when he saw his son's 1982 Toyota Celica parked at the turnoff on York River Overlook. His dad pulled over to check it out. He noticed the driver's door was slightly ajar and Keith's watch was in the car. Cassandra's purse was also on the passenger seat with some empty beer cans. Since he was in a hurry to get to work, he assumed the couple had gotten out of the vehicle and took a short walk on the beach. Richard got back in his car and then headed to work. But about an hour later, a park ranger, John Seeger, also noticed the parked vehicle. But this time, the scene was completely different. When the ranger checked the car, he found nearly all of Keith's clothes folded neatly in the back seat. His wallet was also there. Cassandra's bra and one of her boots was also in the back seat. For some time, the discrepancies in the crime scene baffled many, including Richard, Keith's father. It wasn't until later on when the park rangers admitted they had stumbled onto the vehicle first before Richard had seen it. 
They found the clothes and took some of the items, hoping to figure out who had left the vehicle. It was then they realized that maybe the vehicle wasn't just abandoned, and they tried to put some items back where they had found them. But not before Richard had seen the state of the car without the items. The Colonial Parkway Rangers were heavily criticized by the FBI for their incompetent handling of the cases. Some even said a park ranger may have been behind the murders and that they were deliberately messing up the scenes. Several theories have emerged as to what happened to Keith and Cassandra. Some speculate they headed to the Lover's Lane area to make out and were accosted by someone posing as an authority and then murdered. But their families believe the vehicle was staged and it's likely they were taken shortly after the party or on the way back to Cassandra's house. Today, the case of Keith and Cassandra remains unsolved. They would become two out of the eight victims of the Colonial Parkway killer. Number three, Mitchell Weiser and Benita Bickwit. Young love is exciting for anyone. For 15-year-old Bonnie Bickwit and 16-year-old Mitchell Weiser, both from Brooklyn, it was the same. The couple met and fell in love at school while attending John Dewey High School. In the summer of 1973, Mitchell worked at a photography shop on Coney Island while Bonnie was working at Camp Wellmed in Narrowsburg. The two were in love and even exchanged wedding rings, considering themselves as husband and wife despite their young age. Of course, being 70s kids, the two wanted to have fun and attend the Summer Jam Festival happening in July of that year. Summer Jam Festival was considered one of the biggest music festivals during that time and had over 600,000 people attending. Mitch urged Benita to go with them, and since Benita couldn't get time off from her job, she quit. The only problem for the couple was that they didn't have a ride. So, like any other kid during that time, they decided to hitchhike their way. Mitch first hitchhiked to Camp Wellmet, where he met Benita on the morning of July 27, 1973. The two had breakfast at the camp hall before leaving together for the concert. From where they were, the concert grounds were 75 miles away. Between both of them, they only had $25 to spare. They carried sleeping bags, backpacks, and a cardboard sign reading, Watkins Glen. The two were seen at State Route 97 by a truck driver, and this was the last confirmed sighting of the couple, and they've never been heard from again. Authorities initially thought that they may have run away from home. Despite normal teenage problems, the two seemed to be looking forward to their lives, though. Although their disappearance was investigated, there have been no clues leading to their whereabouts. In 2000, one witness came forward saying both Benita and Mitchell had drowned. According to Alan Smith, they were on their way back from Watkins Glen, the concert grounds, when he hitchhiked on the same bus the teens were riding. The bus stopped by a river to cool off and Benita got into the water. However, she got into trouble and Mitchell rushed to her rescue. But both were swept away alive. Although police found Smith's account credible, they haven't been able to find the bus driver, trace the call the driver gave police after witnessing the drowning, or why Smith didn't bother to rescue any of the teens since he was an athletic Navy veteran. After over 40 years, the two remain missing. But after all these years, the police who handled the case had lost crucial evidence including the couple's dental records, 
which could be used to help identify them if in case their remains are found. Today, the case still remains open. Number two, Connor and Sheila Dwyer. Connor and Sheila Dwyer from Fermoy, Ireland, had been married for a long time and had two grown sons, Connor and Jerry, living in England. Neighbors described the elderly couple as nice, church-going people who often kept to themselves. Connor worked as a chauffeur and would often park luxury cars outside his home. One of his avid clients was German businessman and millionaire Fritz Wolf, who would often holiday in the nearby Castle Lions. On April 20, 1991, the couple were seen attending a funeral at St. Patrick's Church, a five-minute drive away from their home. Several weeks passed and Sheila's sister, Maisie, got concerned because she hadn't heard from the couple for some time. When police got to the Dwyer's home, no one answered. They broke in and found everything looked fine. There was no sign of forced entry and everything was in its right place. This included the couple's clothes, passport, money, and even their reading glasses. The only thing missing that the police couldn't find was their Toyota Cressida. According to neighbors, the last time they saw the couple was on April 30th while heading out to the funeral. Since their disappearance, there were various reports of sightings all over Ireland. Someone claimed they saw them in Dublin, while another reported the couple to be in Lourdes, France. One sighting that stood out was in 1993 in Munich, Germany, which is interesting because of Connor's connection with Fritz Wolf. Rumors also began to swirl that the couple had escaped town because Connor got involved in some sort of trouble in Fermoy. Some even said he got involved in drugs. There was also a suspicion that the couple may have encountered a car accident. Curiously, a year before the couple disappeared, another man, 54-year-old Billy Fennessy, also went missing from Fermoy. It was only in 2013 when Fennessy's car and remains were found in the Blackwater River, which runs through Fermoy. Some believe it's possible that Dwyer's also met their fate this way, although their vehicle hasn't been found. Both Connor and Sheila continue to remain missing for close to 30 years now. Number 1. Camden Sylvia and Michael Sullivan New Yorkers Camden Sylvia and her boyfriend, Michael Sullivan, shared an apartment in Manhattan, New York. They had argued with their landlord, Robert Rodriguez, after he threatened to turn off the heat if his tenants refused to agree on a rent raise. The couple and other fellow tenants opposed the increase since it was a rent-controlled apartment. On the morning of November 7, 1997, the couple presented Rodriguez with a petition signed by the tenants of the apartment building stating that they would withhold their rent payments if he pushed through with his threat. Later that evening, the couple decided to head out for some night jogging. Both were seen around the vicinity of Pearl Street and Hanover Square just before they disappeared and were never heard from again. Days later, Camden's mother decided to visit their apartment after not hearing from her for a while. She didn't have a key, so a neighbor let her in. Once inside, they discovered the couple's wallets and passports were in the loft. There was also a movie they had just rented, but there was no sign of them. According to Camden's mother, it was unlike her daughter to leave without saying anything, let alone rent a movie knowing that it had to be returned. She was a very conscientious person. 
Her mother then called police and reported the couple missing. Investigators questioned the landlord, Mr. Rodriguez, who was initially cooperative over the phone, but days later, he disappeared and refused to cooperate. The landlord eventually sold the building. Police tried to search the property using cadaver dogs. It even tore down several floors, but found nothing. Rodriguez was later arrested for tax fraud after he admitted to using a dead man's identity. He served about six years in prison prior to being released on parole in 2004. Curiously, David King was an associate of Robert Rodriguez and was named a co-defendant in a lawsuit with the landlord back in 1991, also mysteriously vanished. He disappeared in New York soon after arguing with Rodriguez. Even today, King has never been found, but it's believed he may have encountered foul play. Robert Rodriguez maintains his innocence in the disappearance of Camden Sylvia and Michael Sullivan. However, there are many who think that he may have been involved somehow. There's just no concrete evidence found so far. So there were five couples that disappeared without a trace. All these missing couples and still the mysteries behind them. No one knows if their cases will ever be solved or if they may remain a mystery forever. If you enjoyed watching this video, then please consider supporting us on Patreon and subscribe to our channel. We have new videos coming out every Wednesday and Saturday we know you'll want to check out. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you soon.